This episode of the Golf Gaming Podcast on the Sports Gaming Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Get started today and you'll get a risk-free bet for up to 500 bucks. Terms and conditions do apply, so go get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. And we're also brought to you by Roman. Roman is a straightforward way to take care of your ED. Just go to getroman.com slash SGV for $15 off the first month of treatment. That's getroman.com slash SGV. And we're also brought to you by PropSwat, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bet. Uh, Use promo code SGP on your first deposit and receive up to a $500 $500 in bonus cash. That's PropSwap.com, promo code SGP. And we're also brought to you by the SGPN app. The SGPN app gives you easy access to all our picks, podcasts, and it's an exclusive place to enter all our contests, including our $1,000 NBA Finals free roll. Just enter SGPN into the App Store and Google Play Store today. All right, welcome back, DJs. It's U.S. Open Week. I am ready. It's myself, Boston Capper. Steve, the god self. Shermer, are you ready? I don't know. Do you want to talk about the Palmetto Championship for about an hour before we get to the U.S. Open? I do not. Okay. Uh, Derek Higgle won. Hey, congratulations to a lot of guys in the Slack channel, by the way. There was a lot of guys Higo. that won. I know. Unbelievable. I know. Unbelievable. I- I guess I was late to the party on him. Maybe that was a curse to get all those stats from Data Golf that showed he was ugly teetering and everything and just putting his way to victories. But hey, you know what? Kid's talented and he took advantage of a really garbage field like he did over in the Canary Islands. And props to him. Props to anybody at 40 to 1. Um, as far as my betting week, um, all my matchups were head to head matchups pre term were decided uh, by Friday because uh, <laughs> either I bet on a guy who made the cut and the other guy missed the cut or vice versa. Uh, so that went two and two. I played a I placed a pretty, pretty big bet on Redmond over Oppenheim, uh, your boy, uh, yesterday. Uh, so that got me positive for the week. I had to catch a couple top 20s too. So overall, you know what? Increased the bankroll a little bit for the U.S. Open week. Didn't hurt myself too much. I'm ready to gamble. Let's go. Yeah, I uh, I did not uh, have a great weekend, <laughs> but oh, yeah. but the Hago thing, man, that's uh that's crazy. Like, uh, it is crazy. Like, it, people were talking about him, and it was he, like, I mean, he's he's Hansel Hot now. I yeah. know. I mean, that's two wins in the Canary Islands. You win your second PJ Tour start. Yeah, that I mean, like like. I, I know I rip on this field that it was a weak field, but like, yeah, I but mean, still DJ Pat, was there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, and the guys like in the PJ tour, like, like, like they're still way better than the guys being in the Euro tour. That was highly impressive. So this yeah. kid is forever going to be is probably under 50. to one. Yeah. Fuck. And the odds are that's, dead. That's the worst part about it. That's yeah. Right. Listen, whatever. It is what it is. And I doubled down on Hatton today when he was making a little charge. Uh, I'd like to thank Cousin Mush uh, for texting me. Hey, your boy's making a charge. I was like, oh, sweet. I'll just go ahead and yeah. throw some extra money on him. Oh. And then he died. <laughs> yeah, so That's not the only football bet apparently you made. So uh, No. We're not going to talk about that, though. No, we won't want to talk about that. It was a terrible, that's, terrible that's decision. And, you, and listen, you advised me against it. Uh, uh. I, I said, hey, I can't. I, I, like, you're going to look back and say, like, hey, like, why did I bet fucking bleep? <laughs> <laughs> and a football bat. Why did I do that? And unfortunately, yeah, that's okay. Hey, you know what? That's okay. Sorry, you're fine. I'm getting all the bad juju. All... I'm getting all the bad juju out before this weekend. Exactly. We're gonna get all out. We're gonna talk about the U.S. Open, what everybody cares about. 
And I, I've been building this podcast up to my co-host here for a couple of days. And oh, yeah. th- this is going to be a TED Talk. <laughs> and I went very deep on U.S. Open research. I went deep on all the tournaments since 2008. Looking at guys' profiles coming into the tournament, like why guys finished in the top 10, how golf courses play, trying to figure out where to find winners. I had some good stuff. So right. I always get to it. Why don't we talk about the golf course first? Let's do it. Come on. So this is Torrey Pine South. You guys have seen it a lot for the Farmers Insurance Open. And uh, my column is going to be up uh, shortly um, on this, the website. I didn't go into too much about the history of it because, I mean, listen, like, you already know everything about it. You've seen this tournament before. There's not a whole lot that's going to look different between what it is in January and what it is in June. So if you, if you want to find out history of it, Go back to my Farmers Insurance Open Preview Pot or column. You can go do that. So let's focus on U.S. Open specifics to this golf course. So the last time this was held at Torrey Pines for the U.S. Open was 2008, which probably was one of the most legendary U.S. Opens of all time. Yeah, I, I actually rewatched that final round <laughs> on Saturday night, like the second half. It like that was that was intense, man. Like that that <laughs> it looked like Lee Westwood was actually going to win for a little bit, and then yeah. he dumped it in the ice plants on thirteen. I think he took a double on that hole, and Tiger was kind of gagging away. Like like every time Tiger was trying to hit like a left to right tee shot, like it was audible wincing in pain because he had the torn ACL, he had yeah. the broken leg, and poor Rocco Mediate played. I mean, probably the round of his life that day. He was yeah. awesome. But, you know, Tiger just snatched victory away from him by burying the birdie putt on 18 from like 18 feet feet. You so know, far. it's yeah. it, it's the uh, the call of, you know, expect anything different, you know, crowd going nuts like that. That was really cool. Yeah. And then on Monday, a lot of people forget this. Tiger was down big to mediate, too. And he ended up rallying again to beat and to beat him to win his 14th major. And then right after that, he disappeared for a year. He went on, he underwent surgery for the ACL. He had a fractured tibia. And I, I think of all Tigers majors, I think that was the most impressive one. I mean, I, I don't know. The, the last Masters is pretty. pretty I mean, that, that's too. true. But he, <laughs> like, he, he, he won on a torn ACL. That's, yeah. that's pretty difficult. Yeah. I, at Torrey Pines, I know, where, I know. Where like you're walking, he walked five rounds basically. So I guess that is true. That's pretty tough. So. So that was the 2008 US. So we'll talk about that in a little bit as far as like what the leaderboard looked like. And then we're going to talk like we're going to go through the full gauntlet, like just how these leaderboards have like evolved. But let's talk about Torrey Pines first. So overall, like I said, it's not going to look that much different from the Farmers Insurance Open, like, you know, or even the 2008 US Open. Like the golf course remains very long. It's going to be a par 71, about just under 7,700 yards. Um it's a little shorter than how it played for the Farmers Insurance Open in January, but that's because they're taking the sixth hole, which plays as a par five in January, making a long par four. So that's going to be a very tough hole. Uh, that's the one that's the big sweeping dog leg right. You can cut the corner, but you got bunkers over on the left. You got like four of them. Um, yeah. And then. Uh, what about 18? You know, what are they doing with 18? It's still the same. It's still oh, a par five. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, the fairways are really narrow there. Bunkers guard both the left and the right off the fairway on most holes. Uh, 14 of 18 holes feature bunkers left and right of the green. Uh, the greens are very fast. They're smaller, quadrated. And 
I mean, I, I, I've said this before in January. I do not really like this golf course. Uh, I don't think it is of the caliber of the U.S. Open standards. I think Reese Jones kind of did a really bad job back in 2001 redoing the place. I think it's boring. I think every hole looks the same. I think it's got a really nice view. But as far as like like big time golf courses, I think it's one of the most overrated golf courses in America. It just I, I don't understand from an amateur's perspective why you would want to go there to this long, penal, narrow golf course that is just tough and you're your ass kicked and it's the same hole over and over and over. Like if you're going to spend that money, just go up to Caramel and play like Pebble and like Monterey <laughs> and like all those places. Monterey is definitely where you want. Yeah, just yeah. just play those places. Don't go down to this place. So, right. or even go up all the way to Bandon Dunes. You're going to have a much better time there. <laughs> so, regardless, that's that's my hangup. But there are a couple things that have changed over since the 2008 U.S. Open that Reese Jones did do to make it kind of ready. So, he added a couple of new tee boxes to make the holes different. You know, play differently a little bit. Uh, he added a tightly mowed collection area behind the green on nine. Um, that's the long par five straight ahead. That's where uh, poor Matthew Wolf uh, had a lot of trouble uh, in that area. Yeah, yeah that that was uh, that, that was poor one of Matt. the last times we saw him. I know, poor Matt Wolf, man. Is like, he even back. playing this week? Oh. He's in the field, I think. Is he? Yeah, I mean, this is kind of local for him, and this would be. I mean, that that was. I think I bet him for the farmers. So I'm like, all right, well, listen, like U.S. Open setups. I just saw him play well, Wingfoot. And what did he shoot, like 80 the first day? And he withdrew we for did. a hand injury? Yeah. It's not real. I don't think it's, I, it's I mean, allegedly, it's allegedly a hand injury. I'm not going to go any further than that. It's allegedly a hand injury. That's Yeah, but we, we've talked about it as far as like his mental health thing. Like, Yeah, I mean, there's there's some articles that apparently he didn't handle COVID very well. So, yeah. you know, you know I'd, I'd love to see the kid get back out there. Man. He was great to watch, man. Fun guy. I know. Watch. And like a lot of people ripping him for the swing. But like, I mean, if you watch like George Gank is like his instructor videos, like it's it's all about like just own who, your own swing and generate yeah, so much dude. power. Who is yeah. who's what douchebag? <laughs> there's a guy, there, there's is, a couple guys on our Slack. That don't the really guy, like that. guy shoots what, like 95 every week is going to break Wolf's. Balls. Like, get the fuck out of here, dude. That's Come on. True. Like, get out of here. Like, okay, go fix your own swing before you break somebody else's. Right. So, if he's in the field this week, hopefully he avoids that collection area behind nine. Um, 14th also played it as a drivable par four for the 2008 US Open. That won't happen this time. They're going to push the T backs, uh, T boxes back for that. Apparently, Tiger said he didn't like how the whole played. So, Reese Jones, like, all right, you're not going to play. We're not going to play it like that. Um, and but, I kind of agree. Like, it was kind of a boring nothing hole i mean a lot of these holes are boring nothing holes at this golf course but that one especially was a boring nothing hole so they're gonna play as i think like a 430 yard par four so but the most significant change they made was to the bunkers and specifically the fairway bunkers so here's what they did first of all reese jones took a a couple of bunkers and basically pushed them out to curb like the you know increased driving distance so you know now there's some new bunkers added to the landing zones of guys are carrying it like 300 310 makes it a little more challenging for that and then he also took the bunkers and pushed them closer to the fairway so before where the fairway bunkers were you would have fairway then like a small patch of either intermediate rough and then bunker so the only way to really get into the bunker was if it flew in like on the fly now they they put they expanded the bunkers they shifted the bunkers towards the fairway there's no rough in between so the balls can now just roll in 
So, and, and like a good example of how they did, they did this on, I think every par four and par five, like they did some sort of bunker work to either, you know, either they added a couple of bunkers further out or they pushed toward the fairway. So like, if, if you look at the satellite imagery from 2008 to now of hole number one, you'll see three bunkers. You'll see one that's about two fit. Well, previously it was about 250 to the middle on the right, and then another one about 280 to the middle, and then on the left is about 305. They took the one that was 250, removed that, pushed that out to about 320 to the middle, Jesus. and then for all for all those bunkers, they sh- shifted them closer to the fairway. So it's just the transition is just fairway to bunker nice. at that point. So, uh, so it, it did make it a little more challenging off the tee uh, because this plays a little firm and fast ball. Like balls aren't just going to land in the intermediate rough and stay there. It's actually going to roll in. So, it does make it a little challenging. And we saw from you know in January some of those bunkers actually are pretty tricky to hit out of. Like you don't totally want to be in them off the tee. So, um, there's also a couple of differences between the Farmers Insurance Open and the U.S. Open setup. You know, for starters, Torrey Pines is going to play much firmer and faster in, in June than it does in January. Like, th- there's, it's San Diego in June. It's just 75 degrees every day and sun. You know, it's basically the perfect place to live. The yeah. only moisture they'll really sounds, get. Sounds awful. Yeah, the only moisture they'll really get is if there's any marine layer that comes in like that. That's kind of like what happened with, the, with Pebble Beach a couple of years ago in 2009, where we were thinking it was going to play firm and fast. They got a marine layer all in, and then just like the greens kind of soaked the, the, um, the water up, and it played kind of softer. I don't think it's going to have the marine layer, but it's unpredictable. So as of right now, I think it's it's looking like it's really firm and fast, going to play tough. Um, and because it plays firm and fast, you know, balls are going to roll up pretty far in the fairway. Greens are not going to be very receptive. Like if you look at that 2008 U.S. Open, it would play firm and fast. Balls were just unless you're in the fairway, balls are not staying on the green or you weren't getting anywhere close to them. Uh, the grass type is also slightly different too. Uh, something I actually didn't know about, like the, like, in, like every time we talk about Torrey Pines, like it's it's a big to do about Kikuyu grass. Right. And like, that's all everybody talks about for the Farmers Insurance Open. Well, it actually turns out there's no Kikuyu on the golf course in January. It's actually all overseeded rye. So that's actually kind of a big change because overseeded rye actually pl- plays a little differently than it does the Kikuya. So it's going to play differently that way. And actually, the Bermudas are also, or uh, the fairways are actually Bermuda. So they're not Kikuya either. So it's Bermuda fairways, Kikuya gr- rough, and then Poana greens, which is still the same. Jesus uh, so what's that? So Jesus Christ. Like, yeah. <laughs> so Kikuya rough is it's a native grass of East Africa. It's very spongy, it's very grabby. Riviera also has Kikuya grass. Uh, basically, once a ball hits the rough, it stops dead in track, but if it hits, if it stays in the fairway, it's going to roll for a while because it's firm Bermuda. Um, it can be kind of challenging to hit out of the rough too. So sometimes it's it's a very thick grass. So sometimes Bermuda. So with Kikuya, you'll get pretty good lies out of it. Like it'll be sitting up on it. Basically, it looks like it's kind of sitting up on a tee. It'll sit up on top of the green grass there, or it'll get you know nestles to the bottom a little bit. That's when if it nestles to the bottom, you're basically have to hack out. You, you're not hitting green, or you got to hope that. You hit it good enough where the ball can just kind of like bound to the green a little bit. And with the Bermuda fairways, you could do that. But for shorter hitters, if the ball gets, if you get a really bad line, you're a short hitter, you're basically having a wedge to the green. Um, But if the ball is sitting up, that's not easy either because these poet greens are so firm and, you know, not receptive. And they're small greens too that you have to really make sure you have a good number of like your carry distance and how much a ball runs out because you're not getting any spin out of it. 
it's so difficult to hold greens hidden balls out of the rough. Like any any guy who was basically hitting out of the rough in 2008, they could get really good contact out of it if it was sitting up, but it would just go over the green. Mm. So that's something to keep in mind too. Like I think uh, we'll talk about iron play later and how that might be kind of important. Uh, in 2008, the USGA utilized graduated rough. So the intermediate rough was about one and a quarter inches thick. You know, not all that deep. Uh, primary rough was two and a quarter. That's where you can get like, either, it's about 50, 50 proposition, either the ball sitting up or it might be sunk down. Um, and then outside of that, the second cut was about three and a quarter inches thick. And anything in that rough was basically just, you're hacking out basically pretty much. And that was about, like 20 yards off the fairway uh, around the green about 15 feet out. It's about three inches of Kikuyu rough. So it's pretty deep rough. And then outside that's four inches. So anything that basically goes through the green is stops. Like unless it, it, there's that collection area on nine, it's kind of like a wing foot last year where like yeah. it played really firm, but like because the rough was so thick around the green, like you're pretty close to the edge of the green there. You just pop the ball out of the rough. And then if you know how the green is contoured and the slope of it, you can get it within five to 10 feet of the hole. So that's something to keep in mind too, based on guys who have done very well with these us open setups yeah. where it's thick rough around the green, which we will talk about in a little bit. And then lastly, like the Poana greens are gonna play very fast. Um, you know, us open greens typically run about 13 in the sip meter. That's what's going to do this time. Uh, the, the farmers insurers open, they run pretty fast, but it's only about 12. So it's going to be a little faster. Like, like 13 on the sip meter is like Augusta national standard memorial standard concession ran about 13, like really fast greens. Right. Bay hail sometimes get that gets that fast. So it plays like really crispy. So that's also something to keep in mind. It's really vital to keep the ball either below the hole or if, you know, because the greens are really small and they're quadrated, you know, you got to basically make sure you're on the proper tier or else. With power, with power too, it, it, it's nuts because you, you just hit something and just bounce. Yeah, and, that, and that's another difference, too, in that in warmer temperatures, you start getting, like, the budding POA. Right. So, like, like you, like it, it, like up here, like it, like in our golf courses, there's it, basically everything's POA and up here. And it's in the a, summer months, it basically you see the flowering blooms up at the top of the grass. That that's what we're talking about. It's basically, if it just oh, hits okay. something, it just goes offline. So it okay. is very tough to put on Poe. And actually, there might be there is something to putting stats on California West Coast Poa. Okay, that might be kind of interesting that we'll talk about in a little bit. All right. <laughs> All right. Anything else? I think that's it for right now. All right. Well, listen, uh, before we jump into the next spot, listen, WinBet is bringing you the action of real sports betting with the Win Las Vegas experience. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports games. Generous promo codes, odds, and parlays are happening right now. WinBet gets started today, and you'll receive a special offer of up to a $500 risk-free sports bet. Terms and conditions do apply, so you can get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. Uh, I don't have... A, a good win bet odds yet, but I'll give one for you tomorrow. There we go. Okay. There we go. All right. Mm. Why don't we go back in time and talk about 2008 U.S. Open? All right. So, okay. I, I think you put something like this on the Slack too, right? Like, what what would we have done? What What do you mean? What would we have done? What would we have bet? Oh. Oh. Well, at that point, so. 
The only thing, I mean, we probably would have outsmarted us. We were like, Tiger Woods got like a bad knee. He's like <laughs> minus one. We're not Ben that. We're Ben like, right. I don't know, Rocco Media. Or no, we're Ben like Rory Sabatini or something. Right. Okay. Yeah. He's like 15th in the world, you know, pretty long. <laughs> yeah. T- yeah. We would totally yeah. outsmart ourselves. So, uh, and we talk about this leading up into to the 2008 US Open. And like, this was after a long break of Tiger because he was injured. But. He had played 11 tournaments since the 2017 Open Championship. He won eight of them so across like a, like a 10-month span. His lowest finish was fifth. It was so absolutely crazy. Like, like, if you look at some of his odds pre-tournament, it was like minus 110 he would win. You are literally betting a football game. It's insane. It's yeah, insane. In, in fact, at the WGC Cadillac, he, that was when he finished fifth. He was minus 135 to win it. It's just stupid. Like, we wouldn't have a show back then. Like, what did we talk about at that point? We're like, all right, let's look at the Osborne. Well, all right, I guess we're Ben Tiger, right? Yeah. Like, there had to have been, like, with books, like, okay, odds without Tiger. Like, who's going to finish, like, highest like like that? Like, sometimes they do that, like, if somebody's way out ahead, they're like, all right, who's going to finish, like, second? Like, that's what we would be betting on. We would not be doing, like, all right, yeah, it's gonna tiger. Crazy, and that would have hit eight of eleven times. So, and we would have probably done only two of those. <laughs> like this can't continue. He's gonna not win at some point, and he just kept winning. Exactly. Yeah. So let's go back to the 2008 US Open. Just some general stats about it. So overall, the field hit the fairways about 58 percent that week. That's a little that's slightly below average, but like, you know, usually driving accuracy in the PGA Tour is about 61 percent. Guys were it's a not a like a really absurdly low rate, but 58, you know, you're hitting out of the rough more often. Uh, guys are missing greens a whole lot. Uh, they only hit the green about 55 percent of the time. That's one of the lowest clips since, you know, 2008 over the last 13 years. So guys are scrambling a whole bunch. And it's really tough to scramble out of there. Uh, guys are only getting successfully up and down about 44% of the time. That's a little misleading sad because if you get a draw a really bad lie out of the, you know, off your tee shot, you basically have a wedge in for your third. That's your quote-unquote birdie attempt. It's not really fair to do it, but I mean, just overall. Listen, that's, that's how I like my birdie attempt. So, like, listen, yeah. I had, like, four looks of birdie today. Exactly, yeah. 110 <laughs> yards for birdie. And then, like, guys didn't really putt very well either. Like, they average about 30 putts around. So, and then let's talk about the top 10 here. So, this kind of, like, it made me realize just kind of how spoiled we are nowadays. Like, like stacked, like, major, like, leaderboards. Because this leaderboard's really ugly. Yeah, so obviously there's not much to talk about with Tiger Woods. Best player on the planet. Like, if he wasn't injured, he probably would have done to this field like he did at 2000 pebble just win by like 10 like something <laughs> stupid like that but outside of that um he was really pedestrian so only three guys in the top 20 of the official world golf rankings heading into the event actually finished in the top 10 seven guys and that was tiger jeff ogilvy and lee westwood who was 20th Seven guys ranked outside the top 60 in the world golf rankings headed in, and four guys were outside the top 100. This thing really? was a very random leaderboard. Yeah, so like some of like the long shots of like did well. So Rock Immediate was 158 heading in, heading in. Yeah, and he actually sense. had a he had a Monday qualifying in order to get in. Right. Yeah, he yeah. was. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, DJ Trahan was 135. Beginning. Oh, John DJ. Merrick. John Merrick, 216. And then Eric Axley was 503. I have no idea who Eric Axley is, but he finished top 10 in this event. I don't either, but I'm pretty sure I played DJ Trahan in DFS at some point in my life. Oh, nice. <laughs> Very good. Well, this was his, this was time to shine. He actually had a sniff of this thing for a little bit, and then I think he messed up 17. And that was the end of him. Oh. But, like, and just looking at these guys, like, over, like, they're not, like, they were fine tee to green, but, like, nothing really to write home about. None of these guys are very long off the tee as far as, like, you know, I mean, obviously guys are much shorter back then, but, like, just their actual, like, ranking the PGA Tour, I, you know, they were pretty short hitters. They weren't very accurate either. Right. Like, they didn't scramble well. Like, there were some good putters, but there were some really bad putters in there, too. Like, the only thing they really did well consistently, they hit their irons very well. So the average ranking of guys in the top 10 that year was in sourcing approach heading in was 40th. That was the only category where actually people had, like, were worth a damn. Um, I mean, Westwood, Robert Carlson, and Miguel Angel Jimenez, they were still on the Euro Series. They didn't have stats, but they're all regarded as pretty good ball strikers for that time. So, safe to assume, like, iron play was where everybody... That was a, that was a, a U.S. Open side on iron play. Right. So, and going through the years, like, and, and, like it wasn't a very strong, like, top ten. And was it because of like what did Tory Pines do that the setup or is it just like because of like the time and I, I think it's more like just back in the mid to the late 2000s like golf was dominated by like five guys you had Tiger you had Phil you had Ernie Els like yeah. you know like Sergio was still playing while well. Adam Scott and Justin Rose are starting to like really come to their own Padraig Harrington too Jim Furyk was still hanging out but like like outside of like the top ten guys yeah like golf wasn't in a great place like like. <laughs> Like you had like like Rory Sabatini was 14th in the world heading into that U.S. Open. Like Trevor Immelman, well, he had just won the Masters, so that doesn't count. But like Aaron, oh my Baddeley, god, I forgot Immelman won the Masters. Yeah, like Aaron Baddeley is 18th. Like Stephen Ames 23rd. Andres Romero 24th. Like yeah, like you look at like guys in like the top 25 now. You got like like I don't know. Paul Casey, Matthew Fitzpatrick, <laughs> like Jordan Spieth, like like there's definitely a much deeper pool of like golfers nowadays. Yes. Yeah. So I chalk up like the week leaderboard that, and then the same thing happened actually the next year. So 2009, do you remember that U.S. Open? Because I don't really remember much of it. Mm, that was I a mean, Beth Page Black, and it rained like the whole time. Vaguely. Yeah. So that was won by Lucas Glover who came in at 71st in the world. <laughs> Second was Ricky Barnes, who at the time was 519th in the world. Ricky Barnes, dude. Yeah. And David Duvall also finished second, and he was 882nd in the world. He was like, I'm David Duvall, I have vertigo, I'm done. Yeah, like, like yeah. you used to have to like, hey, I'm riding the golf cart. Right. And then Phil Mickelson, who should have won 2009, you know, he finished second. So that... That U.S. Open was more of a driving contest, like just because it played long, it played soft. Like basically, the only like correlated like stab where people consensively did well was driving distance. Okay. Like everybody except for Mike Weir finished tenth, were inside the top one hundred in driving distance that like, heading in. So, and this kind of started a trend of where performance off the tee. And driving distance started to matter. So, and I, I think it's because once you start hitting 2010, you start getting all these young guns who just play the game differently. And they have all this equipment that allows them to 
just hit the ball long. That's all they really care about. And just like like the closer you are to the green, the better. And you start seeing these guys kind of break U.S. Open setup. So Pebble Beach 2010, that was when my Graham McDowell, who was 37th in the world, he actually was fairly long for field standards that year. Like he ranked 58th in driving distance, like heading in. He was getting about 292 off the box. And then he had like that leader was actually pretty sad. He had Ernie Els finished third, Phil Mickelson fourth, Tiger fourth, you know, DJ infamously blew like a five, four shot oh, lead. God, heading in. Yeah. So like, you know, you had some long bombers there. 2011, that was congressional. That was driving distance was the only thing that mattered that year because it was long. It was something, it was kind of like in 2009 where just like the guys were best off the team one. Like, like you had some bad putters in that field. Like, you know, Rory won it because he was just the best off the team, but he ranked like 126 in putting. He ranked like 148th in scrambling. You have like Kevin Chappell, Robert Garrigus, like Sergio even was up there just because he just hit it a mile, but he couldn't putt. Right. Yeah, Shocker. so like Jason Day was in that top ten. Like it was just all bombers that one. 2012 was kind of a throwback U.S. Open. That was at Olympia Fields. It was, mm. That was one by West. I, I like I like that course, man. Yeah, that's they're gonna have the PGA there in a couple of years. So and they just had the Women's Open that it looked pretty cool there too. Uh, they did a nice job renovating the place. So that was a classic one. They had that was more about scrambling and putting. You know, you had Webb Simpson winning, Graham McDowell second, Michael Thompson second. Like Jim Furyk was up there. Like it was a short knockers um, tournament. Like so, like one, two, three, four, five, five guys in the top ten ranked outside the top one hundred in driving distance, including the top three players in the field. Um, like it was just like guys are just generally pretty accurate. They hit their irons pretty good and they putted pretty well. That was pretty good for that. But then after that, like the the quality of top tens got it a lot better because all these like really young, like golf got real much deeper, but the tail pull between like top gut players and like bomb players. Cause of like the golf clubs are using like the style play. It really started to separate themselves. So like 2013 Marion, the average world ranking of guys in the top 10 was like 27th. God. So like, just like, I think the lowest ranked player in the top 10 that year was Hideki at 64. And just like guys who ranked really well off the tee guys who hit it a mile. You know, they just, they're in that top 10. Same thing in 2015 Chambers Way. That was actually a wide open golf course. But again, Bombers kind of dominated. Like, you know, even Jordan Spieth was like 69th. So he was, a, and he was also playing, he was the best player in the world at that point. But like DJ, Adam Scott, you know, Jason Day, Rory, uh, you know, Louie was hitting it pretty well off the tee. Charles Schwartzel hit it pretty far too. Like even Shane Lowry was like 60th like that year. So like, and then again at, 2016 Oakmont, Dustin Johnson wins by three, bomber. Uh, 2017, Brooks Kapka, bomber. 2018, Shinnecock Hills, Brooks Kapka, bomber. 2019, Gary Woodland, bomber. And actually that year too, like you would think with Pebble Beach, like that would favor more of like a shorter hitter where like you kind of had like short knock it. And the average drive guy, the average ranking driving distance in that top 10 was like 55th. Jesus. So even at a short Pebble Beach, which should promote like, like everybody accuracy, like everybody, like the bombers up there, like that that Libra was Woodland, Kapka, Rom, yeah, Ches Rebu randomly in there, like like of, of all the recent like U.S. Opens, there's always that random short knocker who just who just hits their irons really well. He was that guy, but then you had Justin Rose, Xander, Adam Scott, Rory, like just guys who just were 
awesome off the tee. And even at a short pebble beach, it didn't matter. And then it all hit the head last year and Wingfoot, where DeChambeau and Matthew Wolf, and, it, and, and we sat here on this podcast. We were talking about you got to hit in the fairway, you got to scramble well. And guess what DeChambeau and Wolf would do really well? Back then, they hit it a mile, didn't hit any fairways, and they were awful with their approach play and they were awful scramblings. Like DeChambeau last year, he ranked first in driving distance, like heading into the tournament. Right. 119th in strokes gain on approach, 111th in strokes gain around the green, but 10th in putting. And him and Wolf just did the same thing. They just were able to cut corners. They were able to like just hit wedges or like shorter irons into greens. Whereas other guys who were way farther back, like they were playing, they were playing the golf course as intended, like and the and no one was hitting fairways that week. I think the driving accuracy percentage that week was like forty percent, and then guys were only hitting greens at like fifty percent. So it really turned and because we referenced this earlier of because the greens like they had the deep rough around it like it wasn't like Augusta where like if you miss a green it goes like in a really crazy area you got you off a tight lie here it just stops it's it, like your your ball is maybe like two three feet away off the putting surface and then you just pop it up and then Bryson's got his green reading book you can see how the ball slopes and how it trickles down the hole and he's just able to get up and down from everywhere that week yeah so, but just the overall, though, like with these U.S. Opens, and we'll get into we'll get into finer detail with like off the tee, like specifically, like like in a finer granule detail, like it just there is so much more of a importance off the tee now than it was back like in two thousand eight. Like this is no longer like we talk about like our dads will say like oh you got to keep in the fairway, got to hit your irons good, and at least over the last like ten years, it's really a contest of who can hit it the farthest. Yeah, yeah. Who's that kid this weekend? What, what was his name? Garrett Kago. Uh, he, he can hit it a mile. Holy shit! Yeah, like a mile, mile. I mean, he's gonna be forty to one now. Yeah, which yeah. sucks. I mean, but, South African Kikuyu—they're gonna make that narrative too. Oh yeah, that's fine. I just—I was like, I don't even know who this kid is. Okay. No, I know. I mean, I tried to explain it to you. I kind of poo-pooed it and. Hey, I get my face. <laughs> Whatever, man. Who cares? Right. No, one gets, no, no one gives a shit about last weekend. It's US Open time. <laughs> so, all right. Why don't we talk about top tens, just in general? Okay. So, as I mentioned before, as golf has evolved over the last 10 years, there's a separation between higher caliber players and the lower tier. And that's reflected in, like, the average, like, world ranking of guys in the top 10, like, for the last, like, Seven or eight years. So, like, mo- like in general, you got to be basically in the top 40 to make, like, a top 10. Like, that's about the average of, like, the world ranking of, like, every top 10. Like, there's a couple exceptions. Like, Aaron Hills had an average OWGR of the guys in the top 10 of, like, 90th. But that was because Xander was, like, 350. And, like, Trey Molinax was also, like, 500. That pushed down the average. But that year also, it was wider fairways. It rained. Like, the winning score was minus 16. It didn't really play like a U.S. Open. So you tell me Xander did well on a soft golf course. Well, Xander also did well at Pebble Beach, also well at Shinnecock Hills, and Wingfoot. It's taken away by joke, bro. I know. Well, <laughs> I had to defend him a little bit. So, <laughs> but, like, even, like, Wingfoot, like, Pebble Beach, like, Oakmont, like, the cream of the crop, just, they rose to the top. Right. So, like, as far as, like, top 10 bets, 
if you're betting a top 10 on like a guy who's like 70th, 80th in the world, like you're trying to shoot for the moon there. Like I, you got to kind of keep it tight. And like, and I said, with like some of these like top 10s, like it's just a who's who, you know? Yeah. Like even that, like last year, this was the top 10 last year. Tell tell me a bad player in the in in this range. Bryson one, Matthew Wolf second, Louis Ouswies in third, Harris English fourth, Xander fifth, Dustin sixth, Will Zalatoris sixth, Tony Finau eight, Zach Johnson eight, Rory eight, Webb Simpson eighth, JT eighth. I mean, I guess the worst player is probably CJ. Yeah, but he but, it, but that's he's, he's probably but he's still an accomplished player. Exactly, he's he's more accomplished than yeah. say Xander. Yeah, like I mean, Harris English was probably the weakest name, like the less household name, but like he was forty fifth in the world. He had a great year. He did. I mean, what happened to him today? Whatever. Such such a goober. Like he's he's he's, he's tough to root for. He looks like Gumby out there. I, he makes me irritated. <laughs> so like, I mean, it just it, like it's it, it, there, there's not many surprises in these top. 10 yeah, you're not getting Johnny Vegas in your top 10. Yet. No, like, I mean, I think, I think the last, like, real surprise top 10, like, I'm going back to, actually, your boy Chesson Hadley finished ninth <laughs> at 2019 boy. U.S. Open. Yeah. 102nd coming in, like, just just not accomplished. Like, even, like, Ches Reeve, like, he was the next lowest-ranked player. He was 65th. He was actually playing pretty well coming in. He actually yeah. ended up winning the Travelers the week after that. So, mm. he's riding a heater. So... I mean, the caliber of like the guys finishing the top ten now are just much stronger. Yeah. Um, how about off the team? So as we mentioned, like just as time has gone on and the golf ball flies flies farther, they haven't caught up with the golf courses to like address like you know the advancement in technology. Like guys who gain more strokes off the tee have a higher basically they popular the top ten more often. Right. So like if you look at like where guys are at. Gaining strokes off the tee heading in, you got to be gaining about like 0.4 strokes per round off the tee. That's about the average of guys in the top 10 heading in. And then, it, like, it doesn't seem like a lot, right? 0.4? It is. It's about 40th. No, but it's, it's, point- it's like 40th and 50th, like in like the PGA Tour. Okay. Yeah. So, like, I mean, it's, you got to hit it pretty good off the tee. Like, if you, if you, if, if you're sub 100 at a US Open, like, that's toast. That's not great. So, and if you're going to choose between driving distance, driving actually, it's definitely driving distance. So you got to be probably within like the top 60, at least like that's about the average of driving distance. Now, yes, yeah, so you can get a short knocker who can do well there. But you got to do a couple of other things. Well, it's just harder for things to go right for you if you don't hit it very far. But like driving accuracy, like the averages of guys in time is like 110, 120th. So, like, if you're someone who's going to be like, all right, I want guys to just hit the fairways. I'm going to take all guys in the top 50 driving exit. You're just you're missing the boat. And this is universal from the U.S. Opens where guys were missing fairways a whole lot and guys were hitting fairways a whole lot. Like, there's a couple of U.S. Opens where guys were hitting the fairway like 70 percent of the time. Didn't matter. The Bombers still did well that week. It just it doesn't matter. So if you're if you want to like if you really like a guy, I think first priority is how they do off the tee. Like and and if if you have a shorter hitter, if he's gaining strokes at least, like a Morikawa, you're still okay there. But well, is Mori is is Mori really short? He's not he's short. The only average is two ninety four off the tee. Like that's short mm. for nowadays. Yeah. Like the mar- like the margin for error of these guys if you're shorter is 
much smaller. But if you're still gaining consistently off the tee, you're okay. Now, if you're a shorter hitter who does who loses strokes off the tee or just isn't very good, like you're just dead. So it's it's much easier to overcome that if you're a longer hitter and you just have a good driving week rather than a shorter hitter who just consistently loses off the tee. Yeah. So you want to that's tough. So um, as far as like Tory Pines, I mean, um, oh, one other thing I tried to mention. So anytime a golf course is over 7,400 yards, that's when you see guys who typically hit the ball farther and gain more strokes off the tee do better. Anytime a golf course is under like 74, like like a Pebble, like Oakmont, like Olympic Club, Marion, that's when you saw guys where like it was more important to be accurate. Those guys showed a better chance. But this is Tory Pines, 7,700 yards. Is basically just hit it as far as you can. So the accuracy accuracy is just not really going to matter all that much. All right. So, I, like I mean, it. it might matter in the tournament, but like as far as like you're trying to pick guys this week, they're not going to show up at the top of the page. So, how about iron play? I mean, overall, I think the edge is true. You got to hit your irons really well. Basically, you got to be within like the top 60 overall, you know, on average in order to make the top 10 at least. Um, I mean, that makes sense. Like, it's firm greens, difficult to hold. Overall, greens tend, or guys tend to, like, you know, miss greens a whole lot. So anytime that you are basically hitting greens and gaining more strokes than your opponents with your irons, it's a huge edge. And that's pretty consistent, you know, for the past, like, 10 years. Like, the only time when iron play wasn't quite as important in the last, like, 10 years was Aaron Hill's. You know, that one saw kind of weaker players overall, like weaker iron players do better. I mean, we kind of talked about that earlier. It was wider fairways. It was bigger greens. It was soft. So generally when greens are fairly big and they're soft, usually it means that like it kind of shrinks the gap between more premium iron players and worse iron players. It's kind of like when you see like like run of the mill PG tour, you know, events where it's just a putting contest where Guys just peppering greens is kind of a dartboard. That kind of unfortunately was what Aaron Hills that was that week. But like, you know, Wingfoot, Shinnecock Hills, like Pebble, Oakmont, like Pinehurst, like Marion, even like all those golf courses placed a huge pre like guys who were actually hitting an iron so good heading in, they just ended up just dominating the top of the leaderboard. So um, you know, I think you know, there's a couple exceptions to this though. You know, if you look at the last four U.S. Opens, you know, Bryson and Brooks, both times he won, they actually were hitting their irons pretty poorly heading in. You know, both of them were actually outside the top 100 in strokes gain approach before they won. I mean, there's a couple of things we can say with this. I mean, when we talk about with Bryson, you know, he just had such an advantage off the tee that week and everybody was missing fairways. The rough was so penal that for most of the guys in the field, if you're in the rough, which guys were a whole lot, you were just hacking out and you had a wedge in for your third. With Bryson, he was able to cut off dog legs a whole lot. He was able to get close to the green. And then the greens itself, if he missed a green, it just was landing either a bunker or it was just landing in the rough. So, you know, he had a huge edge there. With Kepka, in 2018, he was injured for some of it. You know, that explains kind of like he didn't have very good early performances. He was starting to come on a little bit before he won. I think he finished second at the uh, at either Colonial or Byron Nelson before he ended up winning the 2018 U.S. Open. So he was showing some form heading in. And then 2017, kind of the same deal, wasn't playing very well. 
you know, over on the West Coast, ended up finding a little bit of form in May, and then he took that momentum and actually won in June. And I think, like, if, if, if you ask anyone, like, Brooks Kapka's a top iron player. Bryson's a little bit more of a debate just because he's so focused on distance. But um, as far as Tory Pines goes, um, you know, guys are going to be missing fairways at pretty higher rates than usual. Uh, hitting out of Kikui can be kind of rough, but it's a little bit of a 50-50 proposition where you can get, you know, a good club on the ball because the ball's sitting up or it's buried. And, th- and that's kind of where shorter hitters tend to have a disadvantage is when the ball sit down in the rough. They can't hack out. Here at Torrey Pines, well, a shorter hitter, you don't really want to be in the rough a whole lot. At least you have a little bit of a chance of the ball sitting up and you get solid contact. And that's where you're, you can shine with, like, you know, your spin rates and, like, you know, being with the greens, your carry red. So, you know, if a guy at Torrey Pines doesn't have a whole lot of pop, don't cross him off just because, you know, if they just get lucky a whole lot with some lies on the rough, you know, they can still have a big edge because it's going to be very difficult to hit out of this rough. There's going to be low green regulation percentages. If you're a good iron player, that's going to play dividends. It's not going to be like wing foot, I think, where it just turned into like whoever hit the longest, you know, did well. So, so man, it's it's tough, though, like. Some of the better iron players aren't the bombers. So, no, there isn't. And, you know, I mean, like, that, that's kind of just how it's been, like, for a while. Like, I mean, like, guys end up making hay for different reasons on the PGA Tour. Like, you know, if you're a bomber, you tend to just focus on your strengths. You know, if you're not a bomber, you know, maybe focus on your irons, you focus on your short game, you focus on your putting. But, you know, I think just because iron play overall is pretty important, I think at Tory Pines, because what we saw in 2008, iron play was very important. I think just how balls sit in the rough here, where you're not, you might not totally be dead if you're a shorter hitter and you're in that rough because the ball might be sitting up and you get good contact on it and get it to the green. I think you might be all right. All right. How about scrambling? This is the one that is the least important. Well, so, how, how about before we get to the least important thing? Sure. Let's get to the most important thing. Look. No one's perfect. Even the best baseball players strike out with the bases loaded. The best golfers sometimes three-putt with the tournament on the line. So if you feel like you're coming up short in the bedroom sometimes, listen, it's okay. Uh, but if it's bothering you, you have options. So go to GetRoman.com slash SGP now. With Roman, uh, you can get a free online evaluation for ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. And if appropriate, medication will ship to you within two days. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. So get started is simple. Uh, just go to GetRoman.com slash SGP and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without even leaving your home. Complete an online visit today and connect with a doctor to take care of it. So go get ro- go, so go to getroman.com slash SGP now for $15 off your first month. Look, this is a straightforward way to take care of your ED. Getroman.com slash SGP and get started now to save 15 bucks off your first month of treatment. There you go. Alright. Alright, let's get scrambling. Scrambling. Let's so go. this is the one where it's you can but, definitely get away with bad scrambling. But scrambling is like it's it, we've talked about this, right? Like scrambling is it's such a weird stat to follow. Right? It is. Because there's there's so much weird stuff that goes into it that it's like it's man, I almost like to throw scrambling like the actual stat, like when I'm like building the model, like I want to throw it away. Okay. 
All right. Well, so for this one, though, I think it's pretty cut and dry. So for U.S. Open setups, like it's either you're in the rough or you're in like a collection area. Like that's how the golf course set up. And there's actually a pretty clear like trend over the last six years based on where they played. So scrambling like over and I'm just talking about top 10 overall. Okay. Guys in the top 10. So usually you're around like the average rank is like 80th overall. So, like, I mean, you can't be a total disaster. But Jesus, some guys are, and some guys are and they still do well. But like, you know, I mean, like if you if you're looking at guys only gain like, oh, he's only he's only about, you know, gain like point oh one or he's losing a little bit. Don't cross him off. And there is a couple differences between some of the golf courses where it actually has mattered more as far as like the profile and it has not. So anytime they went to a golf course the last six years that featured tight lies and collection areas like Shinnecock Hills, Aaron Hills and Chambers Bay, better scramblers were in the top 10. Like most of those guys are pretty good around the green. Okay. But when you went to Wingfoot, Pebble Beach and Oakmont, where it was deep, thick, rough around the green. You didn't have to be guys who weren't as good scrambling were still in that top 10. So we get to Torrey Pines where it's the same setup as like Pebble, Wingfoot and Oakmont, where it's just deep, thick, rough around the green. The ball is right there. You do not have to be a decent, a decent scramble and still do well. I mean, like Matthew Wolf and Bryson were not very good scramblers and they happened to scramble well in that tournament last year, but it was kind of made a little easier for them. Like anytime you're scrambling and like chipping out of like tight, or not tight, like 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 yeah. thick rough, right. and you're right there. You can get away with it. It's it's not a, as difficult a shot as it is for like you and me. Like do right, <laughs> right, right. So you know, I mean, like there's some guys that are complete disasters that have like a lot of like good other features that you might want to look at. So, but it's not a death knell if you're not elite in this category. That's the one where you definitely can get away. Okay. So like, all right, I can look past that. Like. I mean, if he's losing like half a stroke per round around the greens, like that can be a bit of a problem. Like we saw Matthew Wolf in January, like just be really bad with it. But if you're competent, I and like just if, if you're not just a mess, I think you're OK. And then putting, I mean, like that's one of the most unpredictable stats to forecast. We just know, you know, there's no rhyme or reason why a guy puts really well one day and he just misses everything. But. What was his name? Chesson. Who, who did I lose money on today? Chesson. Yeah, Chesson. Yeah, Chesson Hadley. I, I didn't watch any of this tournament, but I'm assuming he missed everything today. He did. Dude, okay. dude his, his stroke looks so nice on Saturday. What did I tell you? I said he gained like a listen, man. I know. Huh? Listen, I know. I get it, and I knew it. But listen, he had this weird little thing where like he kept this putter moving, almost like a a baseball player, like bouncing left and right. You know, mm-hmm. moving, staying in motion. No, no, did not right. work today. Okay. So well, let's go back to putting. So overall, decent putters, you got to putt pretty well in order to do well to U.S. Open. And yeah. I think I can attribute that to, like, how many 5 to 10 footers for par did we see at Wingfoot last year? Just a billion, right? Yeah. And the guys who just are a little shaky from that range, you're just going to waste strokes at that point. Like, you got to save strokes when you can. Yeah. And it's, it's very difficult at these, like, U.S. Open setups with firm, fast greens, like with tricky positions to get the ball really not so close to the hole for gimme range. It just if if you're really shaky with a putter from that distance, you're not. And there's not a whole lot birdie looks to. It's like it's just nailing those critical par putts, and that's why like when you look at like guys overall that like finish in the top ten, they're they're mostly like in the top seventy. 
you know, about. Now, there's a couple exceptions. Um, Chambers Bay, like, there were some absolutely horrific putters, like, coming into that event that actually did well. So, like, you know, obviously, Jordan Spieth, when he was one of the best putters on the planet, but... I mean, we saw Dustin Johnson, he ranked 125th heading in, and he missed that five, like four footer, you know, that would have put him in the playoff. Louis Uswiezen ranked 158th in Sherwood's game putting heading in. Brandon Grace, 190th. Charles Schwartz was 180th. Like Shane Lowry's 164. And if you remember those greens, they're in horrific condition. Yeah, they were really bad. There was no rhyme or reason to any of that, those greens. So it didn't matter if you were a good putter or a bad putter, you were missing putts. So putting just didn't matter that way. <laughs> like, it's kind of amazing. The winning score was minus five. Like, if the greens were actually in good shape, I think the winning score might have been like, like minus like 12 or something. Just guys were missing everything that week. Yeah. Um, it was like, it was like four feet, like four feet. They were like, yeah, fuck. Yeah. Like there's a famous gif of barely Horschel. He missed a putting. He like did like a, yes! like a snake. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. Like, yeah. I, I like side note, I I hope they go back to Chambers Bay because apparently they replaced. I replaced. love Chambers Bay, man. Oh, I, it was so look, good. Oh, dude, hit, players hate it though. Yeah, I know, but that, that, that's me and you, right? Like we love that type of shit. Yeah. Like, Chambers Bay was like, oh my god, even I remember. Hills, I, even Aaron Hills was fun. I like that golf course. Yeah, yeah that's that was fun, dude. But Chambers Bay, like I remember, I, I had a half a hat on just with the preview they showed us. Like, oh my God, this is going to play so hard. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I mean, poor Tiger hit in that bunker that no one, uh, like they put a bunker on the par five that no one was going to hit into. And they hit a cold top. <laughs> it just slowly just went. That was, that was pretty dark days for Tiger. Yeah. Well, listen, they got better and then it got much worse. Uh, it, it's it, listen as much as I love I, I love Tiger right so I know you don't like uh, it's not that you don't like Tiger you like his fans right so man like that guy I, I, <laughs> it's just it's just tough for him like man like he should he just wouldn't full heel sure went full heel and he would have been like the most popular person on the planet well he didn't but I know I know shows so back to like the putting thing. So um, some of these West Coast events too, like for whatever reason, just like guys who weren't as strong putting still did well. Like Pebble Beach a couple of years ago, like Gary Woodland was like a hundred. Like his kryptonite was putting, and he just had a great week. Yeah. So he might have just like found magic, but like you know there were some bad putters in that top ten too. And those are like the California Poa greens. So it can be kind of dicey. Like it's a different Poa in California and the West Coast is over here. They don't, well, roll, quite, they so, don't roll quite as true. So, yeah, I mean, at Pebble, no one played putt pretty well that week. Same thing in 2010. They didn't putt very well that week either at Pebble. Um, they didn't putt very well at Oakmont. But those are really hard green, like tricky greens. There's some of the like the hardest greens to putt on the world. Uh, they didn't putt very well at Olympic Club either. That's on the West Coast. They did not putt very well at Torrey Pines in 2008. Like, like guys just were crappy putters, and they still finished in the top 10. I mean, there might be something, too, like, you know, this West Coast greens where because it's a different type of POA, it doesn't really matter. Maybe it levels the playing field. So, so, so what? So what is so what is the difference? Just not the flowering, like we were talking about. Yeah, it's just it, it's. I think it's a little more inconsistent with the roll. So, like, if you go to like a wing foot putting green, 
it it's just it's it's it rolls much truer. It doesn't have those bumps in it. But like when you go to like a California POA like green, like it's you still have like some of those like it, it kind of becomes a little bit of a lock box. Okay. So that might level the playing field a little bit. So I, I think it's it's I mean, it's it's a little dicey to say, like, all right, you're really bad at potting. Like, I'm going to bet on you. But I mean, we saw Gary Woodland just have a good day. And, you know, I mean, no one really put really well. I mean, Tiger was the best putter on the planet in 2008. But like now, a lot of those guys in 2008 were very good putters. Mm. You know, even the collection okay. of the guys in 2012 at Olympic Club, not very good putters. Okay. Same thing at Pebble, like both Pebbles, not great putters. It seemed right. like it seemed like anytime they were on the East Coast on like greens that rolled kind of truer, like Marion, like Pinehurst, Aaron Hills, uh, Shinnecock and Wingfoot. Really good putters are in those top tens. So putting might not matter a whole lot this week. God damn it, Steve. Why? Oh, <laughs> uh, because I think you, I think you like a certain guy. Yeah. Yeah, it's so. not good. I don't know. <laughs> so, so why don't we talk about guys who now win? Okay. The US Open. So as I've referred earlier, it's very important to be really good off the tee and have good driving distance. And that's shown up in the winners too. So of the last seven, I think one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight US Open winners. All of them were inside the top 50 in strokes off the tee. Okay. All of them were inside the seven of nine or six of eight were inside the top 20. And the two exceptions were Kepka each time. who was like 32nd. And it was because he's just one of the, he's one of the best drivers on the planet. He just wasn't playing well. Easy. So like Bryson was first in strokes off the tee heading in. Gary Woodland was like 11th strokes off the tee heading in. DJ was third. Like Jordan Spieth was actually twelfth in strokes getting off the tee heading in. He wasn't as long of a hitter, but he was gaining a ton of strokes. Like that's the blueprint if you're not a shorter hitter. If you're a little right. bit shorter hitter, but you're gaining a ton of strokes. Right. Jordan Spieth is the blueprint. Martin Keimer is tenth in strokes getting off the tee heading in. Justin Rose was second. Keimer. Yeah. I love Keimer. The only and the only player, and even like before that, Rory was seventh. Like Graham McDowell was thirteenth and off the tee. Lucas Glover was eighth off the tee. Tiger is thirteenth. The only player outside the top. 50 who has won US Open since 2008 was Webb Simpson and that was in that was an Olympic club that just played different it was just that was that was catered to short players so I'm not buying into Webb again nope no no I'm not buying the web either this year so it's if you're picking a winner they gotta be really good off the tee like and like they gotta have some pop too like the last five winners the Gary Woodman was the shortest, quote unquote, and he was eleventh in driving distance heading. In. Jesus Christ! Like even like, and again, the only guy outside the top seventy who won a U.S. Open was Webb Simpson, who was one hundred first in driving distance. Like Spieth is sixty ninth. Like Graham McDowell is fifty eighth. Like, <laughs> Graham McDowell is fifty eighth. He's getting two ninety one off the tee back then. Look at he's Graham. much shorter. He's much shorter now. But like, yeah, like, but like, look at Graham. Well, like, all right, Lucas Glover is like 27th. Like, he had some pop. Justin yeah. Rose is 26th. He had some pop. Martin Keimer's 47th. He had a little bit of pop. Like, yeah. like relative to the field. Right, right. And, like, over the last, like, you know, five years, like, Bryson, Woodland, Kapka, DJ, they all average like 309 off the tee. Yeah. So, like, like <laughs> you gosh. look at guys who, like, off the tee, like, 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 let's take, like, a Daniel Berger. He ranks, like, 100th. 
Right. But he hits it farther than Tiger Woods did in 2000, 2008. So maybe driving distance doesn't matter quite as much. And maybe it's oh, more you got to focus on the off the tee stuff. But I mean, but Jesus, the, man, the, don't put me into a pretzel. Well, but, but here's the thing. But how <laughs> how guys are this year and like they're just better. Like, I, I think you got to have some pop. Okay. And if they don't, they got to do two or three other things really well if they want to win. Like they, they, their margin for error is much less. Okay. Um, as far as guys with their iron play, like it's actually kind of hit or miss. Uh, let me talk about Bryson didn't hit his irons very well heading in. He still won. Kepka was not hitting his irons very well heading into the US Open. He won. I mean, there's a couple of guys who are pretty elite. Like Jordan Spieth was top 10 in strokes gate approach heading in. Rose was second. Tiger Woods led the planet and everything. But like, I mean, you know, I mean, you got like a Lucas Glover. He's like 99th. Sure. Glover. Like, I mean, Clover, come on. I but this I mean these were weaker fields back then. But he was really but his strength was off the tee. He okay. was like top twenty five in like driving distance and accuracy. He just killed it. So, I mean, like I think you have to have like it's it's a little dicey to say like all right you're pretty weak with your approach play, but I'm, you know, going to pick you, but it's not a death knell. I mean, Bryce improved it last year that you can hit your gardens like garbage and just show up to the golf course, kind of suit your strength and do well. Same thing with Capco. Like he showed a little bit of form heading in. I think if, if, if you see a guy that's like ranks pretty low in short skin off the tree, they got to show a little bit of form. I think, like, I think Bryson was kind of the exception to the rule last year, but other than that, I mean, just guys were pretty solid with their, you know, with their approach play scrambling. That's definitely hit or miss. Like you saw Bryson, he was losing strokes, scrambling just because the golf course had fit him. He did well. DJ sub 100 scrambling, uh, you know, Martin Keimer's 163rd, Rory, Graham McDowell, Lucas Glover, they're all sub 125. And then you got some elite guys who were, who were scrambling, like Justin Rose was second, like Spieth was ninth, like, you know, even Woodland, he was like 54th. Like he, he did everything well, T to green, basically. So that one is one where you can kind of forgive a little bit where, you know, like it's it's there's more more margin for error, especially with how Tory Pines is set up around the greens where balls are gonna be rolling crazy distances. Everyone's just gonna be chipping out of rough. If you're looking for if if you if we're looking for a winner and their weakness is scrambling, that's okay. That's not a reason to write someone off. And then with putting, you know, I mean again it's hit or miss. Like like we talked about like guys who were playing on like greens that kind of ruled true and they were fast. They were usually better putters. Like Bryson was 10th in putting, like heading in. Kapka was 55th and 24th when he won. DJ was 63rd. Spieth was 20th. Like, um, but then he got like Woodland 150th. He had, you know, like, like, like you didn't have to be a really elite putter sometimes in order to win. So I just right. got lightning about. So, um, so we'll see. Um, but there's a couple other trends we can look at too. that are not statistical. And these are the ones you like. All right, come on. Let's, right. let's get to those. Let's go. All right. We're, we're, we're an hour and five minutes in. So, okay. so there's six. Go. And we got, we got, we got two more shows to go. We do. We do. And thank you to the listeners for letting me ramble on in my TED Talk. I appreciate it. <laughs> TED Talk. That, yes. That's what we're labeling this, by the way. Yeah. yeah, you can come up to the stage later and offer the Q&A. <laughs> um, so, a, 
every oh, U.S. You made winner, me snort, bro. <laughs> you need you need a good laugh, buddy. I did. I did. All right. So uh. every and this this one to peek here. Every U.S. Open winner since 2008 had a top 10 in one of their last five starts heading into the event, and 11 of 13 had a top five. Pretty good, right? That's cool. Okay, that narrows the field down a lot. It does. All right. Three guys? No, not three guys. That, I'll whittle it down. Right. 12 of the last 13 U.S. Open winners since 2008 had at least one win in the last past, past two years. The only exception was Lucas Glover in 2009. He didn't have a win at all, but <sighs> you got to at least show you've, win, you've won within the last two years. Okay. 12 of the last 13 U.S. Open winners made the cut in the last major they played in. The only exception was Graham McDowell in 2010. So everybody since 2011 made the cut in the, in the, in the major four. Now, most of them played in the Masters, where it's not as difficult to make the cut. Right. Still notable, though. Yeah. So you can't bomb out. Um, 11 of the last 13 U.S. Open winners had at least one top 10 previously at a major championship. The low exceptions were Lucas Glover and Webb Simpson. So everybody since 2013, you need at least one top 10 heading in. Like, even Gary Woodland had a top 10 his pre- like before Bryson had just got a top 10 at PGA, and yeah. then he won. You guys show you, Lisa, kind of in the mix that a major already be in. All right. Um, 11 of the last 13 U.S. Open winners were inside the top 30 in the world before they won, including the last 10, by the way. Just that, and that's kind of what we talked about earlier. The cream is just rise to the top of this, of these things. And then seven of the last ten winners were inside the top fifteen. So, be careful picking long shots. Like there has to be like a really good reason for it. Like they got to match some stuff. But like seven of the last ten winners inside top fifteen, eleven of the last thirteen inside the top thirty. You're crossing off a ton of names in this field. What did I text you earlier today? <clears throat> I said I, I have a have a hard time betting anybody for an outright. I know. And then here's a really interesting one. This is one probably up for a debate. Okay. 10 of the last 13 winners were between the ages 26 and 32. So you think about that. That's kind of your prime of your career, right? You got some battle scars. You got a lot of ter- majors under your belt. Like, yeah, experience. You got moxie. You got patience. Yeah. So the exceptions were Gary Woodman was 35 when he won in 2019. And then Spieth and Rory were 21 and 22, but they're like generational talents. Correct. Yeah. How, how old is Xander? Zant right now? We'll get yeah. to that. Get to that. So listen, uh, a trend is only a trend until it's broken. Right. But we're going to go through it right now. And we're going to start crossing off the names based on those six criteria. Okay. And then we'll throw in the driving distance stuff at the end. So All right. I took everybody over $7,000. And first, I just sorted by age. I said, if you're between 26 and 32, this is the pool. So we got Rom, Bryson, Brooks, Rory, Cantlay. Uh, we have Xander, JT, Finau, Answer, Fleetwood, Connors, Homa, Business Day, and we got a lot of guys. Lots of them. Yeah. All right. Then I took, if you're not in the top 30, you're out. So, Ty Fleetwood. Corey Connors, Max Homa, Chris Mazzanhu, Carlos Ortiz, and Matt Wallace, you're out. Yeah. Not in the top 30, you're not winning. Fleetwood should you be have in the a win top with 200. La- What's that? Fleetwood should not be in the top 200. Okay. Well, he's 30, and he's ranked 32 in the OWGR. So. Terrible. Do you have a top 10, or do you have a win in your last two years? 
Xander's out. Fina's out. Abe answers out. Okay. Okay. Did you make the cut in your last wait? Major? Wait, time out. Time out. Are you counting Cantlay's win? Yeah. Why the fake wouldn't that win? Count? The fake win. Well, he won the Zozo, so it doesn't matter. Oh, that's what that's what I was asking. I couldn't remember how long ago it was. No, it's two years. Two years since the start of the U.S. Open. Okay. So from the 2019 U.S. Open all the way to today. Okay. Yes, Cantley counts. I'm sorry, he counts. Mm-hmm. Did he make the cut in the last major? JT, you're out. Yep. <sighs> Did you have a top ten in any of your last five starts? Harris English, you shouldn't have been so bad today. You're out. Oh. So now we got 12 guys. All right. Let's break it down a little further. Are you in the top 50 in strokes gain off the tee heading into this tournament? Spieth, you're out? <laughs> Is he really out? He's been so he's much like better. Than... He's like 110 and 80. Man, I feel maybe the bar is so low that I'm like, oh, he's fine off the tee now. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, 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 I, and I'm not breaking rules. Like, you could, if, like listen, he listen. could be trending up and everything. This is hard and fast rules. Yeah, like, yeah, your, your point in the PG Tour rankings heading in, you're out, Spieth. Patrick Reed, you're out. Oh. Sam Smith, you're out. Mm, I okay? like Reed. There everybody. And Reed. now we're doing. Are you in the top 60 in driving distance? Okay. Hideki, you're out. Daniel Berger, you're out. Terrell Hatton, you're out. Ooh. And Matthew Fitzpatrick, you're out, too. What do we got? Six guys? So we have five guys. Five guys a fit. You're inside the top 30. No WGR. You're between 26 and 32 years old. You have a win within the last two years. You made the cut in the last major. You have a top 10 in your last five. You're in the top 15 strokes getting off the tee and your top 16 driving distance. Oh, yeah, we got. We have John Rahm. Um, Brooks. Bryson. Bryson. Brooks. Rory. Uh, and happy feet himself, Patrick Cantlay. Oh, fuck that. We got three guys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, we three, so we got three guys who can win. So we talk about this every year, though. Like the U.S. Open kind of comes down to like 10 guys. I mean, of the five I just named, yo, good. I mean, like, there, there's a couple guys on the outside. I think the age thing is definitely a little shakier. Fine, 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 fine. But there's so like, zero. DJ, so, like, all right, fine. But just humor me. DJ. He's 36 years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He definitely do it. I think Jason Kokrak could probably do some damage. He's 36. That's, I think Kokrak the, the only reason why Kokrak's not on that list is because he's 36. Ooh, okay. That's all right, one. So, all right, that's fine. Where, where's he at with the uh, World Golf Rankings? He's inside the top 30. I think he's like 24th. Okay. Yeah, he's okay. like, yeah, yeah. without okay. that, he's in. Okay. Um, I think that is actually it, though. I yeah, so saying, I, I don't like age. I don't like Coke back. But there's zero chance. If, if I gave you $100, if I gave you $100, you would not put it on Cantlay. On Cantlay? Yeah. Well, I already Zero fucking it. chance. Zero I, chance. I bet it's 30 to 1. Ugh, You're bro. telling me Patrick Cantlay who just won the memorial camp. He didn't win the memorial. Okay, well he, he won the Zo he won he, the Zozo against a bunch of a stack field too. He's really good on poet. You telling me he can't win? No, I'm telling Come on, you. Come on, dude. I'm telling you he cannot win. Okay, 
Fine. That's your own personal bias. So, how's that a bias? He didn't even win. You, you hate called... you hate his tapping I, feet. That's why. I do, I do hate his tapping feet. But that yeah, doesn't... there you go. Thank you. You just answered it for me. You hated Cantley before the memorial because of his tapping feet, and you hate him afterwards too. Because it was a fake win. You even called it a fake win. Fine, it is a fake win, but he's a talented player. Yeah, of course it the, is. He... I'm not saying he's not okay. a talented well, you player. You know what? Even if even with the, excluding that fake win, he still won the Zozo. Fine. Mm-hmm. fine. That that cuts your narrative in half. That, that's fine. In yeah. half. Fine. All right. Fine. Okay. All right. Well, all right. Let me ask you a question. Is Jason Kokrak winning? I I like it better than Cantlay. Because I know we're going to get better odds. (laughs) I agree. But, like, Gundyr has Jason Kokrak win the U.S. Open. Well, no, I would. I mean, Christ, dude, go to my head. Like, I I certainly would do it. I mean, the Kokrak do what Woodland did, sure. I think the odds are fine. Would I rather maybe bet him top 10? Oh, of course, yeah, of yeah. Course. I think that's, and I guess that's my overall point with everything. If you're going past 50, 60 to 1. Oh, yeah, don't do that. I, I don't know. Like, even Woodland was 60 to 1. Like, that's, I think, the outer edge. Outlier. There's the outlier. Well, I mean, he was really good tee to green. Like, he just did not putt very well heading in. There were a lot of check marks he bought. There's a lot of boxes he checked. But yeah, like the, I, I, there's a couple exceptions I'm willing to make on some guys like outside the top 30, like just some things about them that is OK. But I think you're going to be really hard pressed to see a long shot this week. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, okay. I, I, I agree with you. All right. Well, my TED talk is over. Oh, good. Do you have, do you have any questions? <laughs> kind of zoomed out a couple times. I saw you kind of like put your. You know, rub your eyes a little bit. Yeah, you know, man. I, got, I know it was heavy stuff. I hope yeah, it was useful. I mean, I mean look, I, everything you always say is very beneficial. I got, uh, I got how shit going on. Like it is what it is. Uh, we got DFS. You we know, got that. All that is also an article form in four thousand glorious words that's going to be on the website soon. So if you need to refer back to it with all those and dates, the tables, ten way. tables, ten tables. Yeah. And I gave them to you personally that you can just take a look at as well. I know. So you have that. You have all that to refer to during the week. I know. So, is, it's not even about that. Yeah. Well, just a very stressful day for Capper. It, it was, is. Uh, we got uh, Father's Day coming up. Wife's birthday halfway through the week. Mm. Went sideways today. Eight, right. Listen, teenage daughters. Ugh, just, just God bless anybody else who has them. Just all right. Well, I got that. Forward to in my eight yeah, years. Yeah, you have fun, buddy. Yeah, thank you. All right. Well, now that you're just in a great mood and a great mental state of mind, now we're going to you fill out a snap DFS lineup. Oh fuck. Right. Yes, you are going to take everything we talked about tonight. All right, fine. All the trends, all everything, and you are going to fill one out. Fine. All right. Hold Let's on. open it up. Yeah, pull it up. Yep, 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 yep. Find a contest. No, you that's fine. All right. Go pick Great. John Rom first because I know you're going to do that. That's 100% yes. correct. He's 100%. Yes. He's yep. 100%. You and everybody else this week. John Rom. Sometimes shock is good. And John Rom was mine before he was anybody else. Christ, 11 2. Yes. Yeah. All right. So you got John Rom as your first guy. All right. Where's Kokrak at? All right. I, I actually I like Kokrak this week. I think that's a fine pick. Oh, my God. How is Tommy Fleetwood $7,800? That is fucking disgusting. Anyone who plays him should fucking lose all their money. And... Hey, you should save that for tomorrow. All right, so uh, so Kokrag was 76. 
Okay. Oh, Sergio, fine. Uh, so. so why why Sergio? Just cause? No, no, I didn't. I didn't click him yet. Oh, I'm just. Okay. I'm, I'm. I'm walking. I'm. I'm talking. I'm talking through it here. Okay. Um, Printing grace is out. Here you go. Seventy-two hundred just won. Nope. Long hitter. Yeah, long hitter, but he just yeah. fucking won. Yeah, I mean, you could carry that into this week. Oh, Mullen, I was out. Ah, uh, I don't know, maybe. Yeah, Mullen, I was out. Okay. I mean, which? Well, he's played well at Tory before. Kevin Nah, he's out. Okay. Scam champ. Well, I think because they withdrew from other events, I'm not sure they officially like withdrew from this tournament. So, fine. All right, All right. let's go. We're not using any of those guys, anyways. Let's just cut to the chase. That's fine. Listen, man, I'm trying to find some savings here, bro. Okay. Look at this guy. Who is G. Migliazzoli? Have you ever seen that uh, guy? Oh, uh, Guido. Oh my God, who is that guy? He he's looks some, like uh, so. Been, my favorite show in the he, world is Gamora. And he he's looks been like he's up the Euro Tour like Hago did. Uh, okay, all right. Yeah, yeah he's Fuck some young it. Italian guy. He's gonna be the next Molinari probably. Done, taking him sixty eight hundred. <laughs> he looks like he looks like he should be on Gamora, which is the best. Are not watching right now. It's subtitles, but uh, it's amazing. Okay. And uh, they put season three and four on HBO Max now because uh, it was, I think it was attached to the Weinstein Company. So uh, okay. you know, nothing was getting released after. <laughs> After wow. that, so all right, so I still get eight grand per thing. All right, I'll take Siwoo, he's off the shelf. That gives me 8,500. I got two to go. Oh, dude, this lineup's gonna be trash. <laughs> it's why it's a snap DFS lineup, though. Yeah, this is so bad, though. This is bad. All right, so I'll, I'll take, but who I think is gonna win? All right, it's a rum. All right, so yes, you think Rom is going to win? I definitely think Rom's going to win. Can't wait. Ninety one hundred spit. Nine thousand for Reed gives me eighty one hundred left. Usti, Rose, Smith, Casey, answer. Ugh. Gross. Oh, so gross. Fine, I'll take no. <laughs> This is riveting podcasting, by the way. Yeah, this is the worst. Yeah. This, should every- be on vi- this should be on video. Are you waffling right now. That's fine. That would be better than these poor pricks not not seeing my like agonizing face clicking buttons. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Cam Smith. Fuck it. Like, dude, this is a terrible fucking lineup. This All is- right, what, recap it then. All right, so we got we got Ram, Reed. <laughs> oh my god, Cam Smith, Siwoo Kim, Kokrak, and uh, the Guinea who. Uh, looks like he should be on uh, Gamora. Like, okay. I mean, that's, that's terrible. It's okay. terrible. Hey, listen. It can work. Fuck it. I'll throw it, I'll throw it in the middle of the make it. We'll see what happens. Okay, there you go. <laughs> All right. So, last thing for tonight. Have you made was... any bets? Have you made any bets yet? Uh, I got Reed. I got Reed at 35, and I got Rom at 12. <laughs> okay, so you place basically a football bet on Rom. I did, sir. Okay. <laughs> And I, Reed, actually, I actually put a like Patriots football bet on Rob. Wow, that's pretty serious. Okay, so we read then you're thinking he's going to double up like Tiger did, because Tiger won Tory and then he won Tory in 2008. So you think yeah. Reed's going to double up this time? Okay, do yeah, I like it? I, I listen. I don't hate that. But like Patrick Reed tends to break all these trends when right. it comes down to it. So yeah. 
I mean, I could easily say that happened. Was it? Yeah, I'm 35. Bucks on I read, like 50 bucks on read, whatever. Okay, there you go. All right, so I only have four. Which is actually, yeah, I'm, four, I'm, 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 I'm liking this. Right. I, I, have, I have some options now. Okay. But can't lay at 30. I got that a couple, about a month ago. Dude, I feel pretty good about that now. Fine. fine, fine. Got hobbling at 40. I like that. Better price. I like that. And I, like I got that. two like guys that. at 125 to 1. Okay. This was, I got it before the odds shifted. So back when Corey Connors was hot, <laughs> I got a little bit of 125 to 1. He's okay. cooled off a little bit of the putter, but he could ball strike his way to a good one. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's fine. I'm fine with that. And I placed one yesterday. Oh and the fin of the trends. <laughs> he just plays so damn well on the West Coast, though. Max Homa one twenty five to Max Homa one twenty five to I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> All right, so let me let me let me break down the thinking there. He's got some pop off the tee. Yeah, he's got some pop off the tee. Yeah, edges about three hundred two. Played well at Memorial. Played well at Valspar. Okay. And if you can win Riviera, like you win yeah. anywhere. You win anywhere. Okay. Yeah. So one twenty five yeah, to one I'm at do, Homa. I'm like I'm doing it right now. I'm I'm fine with that. I think he's out like a hundred to one almost, but like still, whatever. If, if I'm throwing a dart, I'm taking the guy that crushes West Coast Poa and hits it pretty far and one Riviera. Yeah, I'm with you. With Kakuya Grass there too, I'm good with that. I like it. Yeah, let's go. So, but those are my only four bets. I am trying to figure out who at the top of the board I'm going to pick. Rom, I, dude, Rom. I'm not. I'm not. I don't know if we're going to bet Rom. <laughs> I don't know. Every everybody's picking Rom this week. Everyone's gonna pick Rom. Yeah, but I had Rom before. They I had I know you did, but now everybody has him. Yes, just like just like Nagel's Bagels had Xander before. Everyone had Xander, and now everybody's got Xander this week. Yeah, everybody's on Xander this week. Not Rom. Everybody's Everybody, on. Xander. Everybody's on. Everybody's on Rom this week. They're like, oh, you should have won the Memorial. This is redemption. Hey, you hey, you I, know that I, narrative. I, 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 yeah, I don't. I don't like that tone. It's because it sounds like me, and it. I haven't decided. Listen, I may bet Rom, but like of of like the guys. I mean, let's look at the odds right now. So I'm seeing. Let's go. Let's go to the one that you're. I got at fourteen. Okay, that's better. Ways he's at eleven. Right. Then you got DJ at thirteen, Kepka fifteen, Bryson fifteen. I'm not. I don't think I'm betting Speed to win. He's sixteen. Rory and Rory seventeen. Where's the Two of those guys. And I don't know. I'm gonna wait to see how the rock. The Did his Rams die or something like that? Who? Oh. Xander's the Xander's. Uh, I have no idea. Off social media, we'll have to ask Nagels tomorrow. He's probably oh. going the. He's probably going the funeral if that's if that's the case. Jesus. So, yeah, so. I'm pretty sure. I think his Grams died or something like that. I don't know. I because I saw a Nagels thing for his for the Grams or something like that. I don't know. Let's figure it out. All right. Well, I'm sure we'll ask him tomorrow. So, yeah. all right, that's it. I got nothing else. Oh, is that it? Yeah, that is it. Thanks <laughs> for sticking around. I appreciate it. Again, if you turn off the podcast because it was too long, everything I basically talked about tonight is summed up in the column this week. You can go talk to it or talk to me. <laughs> you can go read it. There's all the date tables I got this too. There's a lot more information behind it. Maybe you can, you know find some info that I might have overlooked and not talk about because I had to talk about a billion things tonight. There is, but, there is, first of all, there is no 
nook that you have overlooked, sir. You are yeah. you are you are the fine tooth comb of golf. So no, I listen. I, I I it was a lot of information, but I think we kind of simplified it in a weird way. You gotta be really good off the tee. Gotta be good off the tee, and you gotta be in like the top thirty to win All the right. OWG. Listen, let's fun. Really shrinks. It really shrinks the field a lot. It does. It does. Yeah. But listen, we have two more podcasts coming out this week. We need to listen. Is. So let's not uh, let's not shake it off yet. So, <laughs> so all right, man. Well, listen, uh, Steve's article with all his tables, it's it's a very beautiful thing. So go fucking look at it. It's on it's on sportsgamblepodcast.com. Uh, you follow me on Twitter, Boston underscore Capper. Uh, yeah, man. Other than that, listen, we got uh, bagels coming up. Tomorrow, Nagels Bagels uh, tomorrow night for DFS. Then we got a Tuesday show. And uh, yeah, all up for Father's Day in the U.S. Open so we can fucking break them books and uh, go spend money on what we want, boys, not for the wives. All right. Talk to you later. Bye bye. Mm-hmm.